0: to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for On Patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTDR 89.7 FM.
1: Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television and available on all of your popular podcast platforms. Today is Friday, February 18th, 2022. I got to check my watch and make sure I got the date right. Uh, And I am, my name is Mike Wynn. I am one of the co hosts and co producers of this usually weekly radio program. I'm joined in studio this morning by Captain Gary Traversa. Interim OSD Hi. commander and uh Lieutenant Matthew Hill who's working the soundboard. Hello. We are going to be joined shortly by safety officer, Officer Darren Derby, who I happen to know for a fact is patrolling today with his partner, Comfort Dog Winston. So hopefully Winston will join us in studio this morning. We're a little bit off our game. There was uh some delays in getting into the studio this morning, so will I um you know fire up some technology here, we're gonna go get a check of the weather. And then we'll come back and talk about some news.
2: Here is your WTBR forecast from BerkshireWeather.com for Friday, February 18th. Greetings. Today, partly sunny and windy, with a high of 47. Tonight mostly clear with a low of 13. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy. A high of 29 with afternoon snow showers. That's really this WTBR forecast. For more weather forecasts and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Jacob Klein for WTBR and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone!
1: I love that kid. just makes my friday to hear that report all right so news items i'm gonna i'm gonna springboard off of a news item from this morning's berkshire eagle to bring up something that's newsworthy actually for the police department so in an article in this morning's berkshire eagle and talks about the national guard and the commonwealth's rapid response team uh, department of public health rapid response team uh, being sent back into Pittsfield. Um, they're at springside rehabilitation and skilled center, care center and you can read the article, but, you know, essentially it's in, in response to uptick in cases within that facility. And that facility has been in the news quite a bit. Um, you know, it, it's a tough time to be working in congregate care and the staffing levels are just are, are depleted and the demands are high. So that's unfortunate. But what I wanted to draw our attention to is the idea that, you know, the National Guard once again has been deployed in these public health areas and I don't know who's on that unit Um, you know which which unit they they deployed from or employed from but I did want to share a story that I got news on last week so we have a department member officer Sean Reagan school resource officer Sean Reagan who um, in his other life is Master Sergeant Sean Reagan and Sean has been on a guard deployment guard mobilization for a little while now just over a month and last week i got an email sent to me by a colleague down in um great barrington at fairview commons so master sergeant reagan was mobilized and he reported to his unit and then he was sent back to berkshire county he's been on this uh, this mobilization like i said for over a month but last month uh well he was standing post and and he's he's a his his MOS in the air guard is chaplain's aide. like he's not a medical professional he's he he's essentially a security guy who travels and and accompanies the chaplains but he happened to be at the emergency department door when a truck drove up with a patient experiencing cardiac arrest and he bodily lifted the patient out of the truck and started uh, CPR and treatment before the nurses and docs got to the patient um and basically you know the, the gist of the email was you know took definitive action and saved that patient's life and so i got a very appreciative email and uh it was shared with the national guards uh, air national guard and national guards chain of command a lot of lot of emails from a lot of very impressive titles in in the massachusetts military organization complimentary of master sergeant reagan so good job sean um you know we want you back but keep up the good work and keep representing us well while you're employed Um it, the only other news article i really want to talk about and again this is also drawn from from today's berkshire eagle but i see these stories and i'm just like you know people don't have long-term vision sometimes so the town of beckett is is deeply contesting the creation and formation of a marijuana farm in the town of Beckett. And we see the these opposition stories to the cultivation facilities being created in towns that strongly, strongly, strongly endorsed legalization of marijuana. So if you live in a community that, you know, high percentages of people voted to legalize, they're, they're going to put the cultivation facilities somewhere, um, you can't have it both ways. You can't vote to legalize it and then vote in opposition of having it. It, it, it doesn't work. So let's see what happens in Beckett. That'll be interesting. And uh, that's all I want to talk about on the news today. How are you guys doing this morning? Not bad. Good day yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I, I was ready to go and get out of the house early this morning, and I can't figure out how I went from being early to leave to nearly being late walking into the studio. There was no traffic, there was no crashes, I didn't have to pull anybody over. I just lost like 20 minutes of time somewhere coming across the city. It's gone.
0: It's the way it goes some days.
1: (laughs) It's gonna be one of those days. Um, Department related news, big news. uh, Today's the day, draft preliminary budgets are due. So this means the official start of the city's budget season more to come on that we uh i i am going to say i am pleasantly have been pleasantly surprised the commanders will tell you i have been imploring our commanders and supervisors for about the last two months that if there was something they wanted to see in the budget to get it to me early so we could make sure it got into this version and we were going through the submissions uh Mrs. Hamilton Davis and I were going through the submissions last week, and we got some pretty good suggestions, uh, some pretty good requests. We got some some off the wall requests too, but um, you know, most of what we got, we're going to be able to figure out how to incorporate it into the the budget request. We also got uh, some suggestions or requests for some stuff that we've never done before. So uh, the creation possible creation the requested creation of a couple new line items Uh, the big one of those actually came from you captain it's the dedicated funds for the department to pursue certification and accreditation Um, so we're gonna gonna put that in there and make that ask and then uh, once the submissions are are all in and tallied finance director Kerwood will start the process of leaning them out and then um, set up the summit so that the city department heads and school district can kind of brief the council on where we are you know status state of the city today and then that will start the process of the hearings and you know we'll go through the spring trying to figure out what we're actually going to have going into the next fiscal year so many many programs about that process in the next three months all right
0: such a long season isn't it I mean, you start in
1: the middle of February and you don't get it through it until June. So, under under the current administration, under Mayor Tyers' administration, we start a little bit earlier than we did historically. We usually started the end of February, March. That was kind of when we turn things in, but it didn't allow a lot of time for discussion between the mayor, the finance director, and the department head. So, you know, we we start this process really in the first week of the year. You know, that's probably when i started telling you guys get those requests in um and then we start the formal process mid-february it gives us another you know four to six weeks to to kind of do the making of the sausage back and forth between the department heads before we get into the the meat and potatoes of what's going to be the you know the public ask so yeah all right um I had something I wanted to talk about and I just completely spaced it. So uh, I got home last night and uh, my, so my wife says, "I you know, I, I think that our neighbor came and visited us yesterday. I was like, well, I couldn't come and visit us. We weren't here. And she's like, no, but I saw in the ring, he came over and he was carrying something. It looked like a poster. I'm like, that's odd, right? come <laughs> so over, knock on the door with a poster. And so I'm finishing up uh, some some preparation for some travel and the doorbell rings and I go up to the door and it's our neighbor and he's carrying uh maybe he'll bring it in I hope Darren will bring it in and uh, he's carrying a, a a frame a picture frame and he's like we just you know I just wanted to let you know that My wife and I really appreciate what Officer Derby is doing in the community with Winston, and we thought it was really cool. And so you know, we met Winston, and I took a picture of him. And so they took this picture. It's a very nice picture of Winston. And they had it converted into a puzzle. Then they assembled the puzzle and framed it with a beautiful little plaque, and they wanted us to give it to Darren. So Darren, when he came and picked his partner up this morning, he also picked up his new framed portrait of Winston. It was pretty cool. It's cool. We have to, you know... Then kindly ask Darren if he would allow us to display it in the station instead of at home. It's pretty wild. I didn't get. I did get a picture of it. Maybe I'll just post the picture of it. We can so, probably persuade him. At least you know, on a short-term loan for a little while. All right. So, Captain, I'm going to ask you to slide over to the mic for a second because you uh, you and I had an interesting meeting. Yesterday. Was it yesterday now? Wednesday. Um, Yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, So, as I said, you know, we're, the the Pittsfield Police Department has explored the possibility of pursuing Commonwealth Massachusetts accreditation for many years. It was actually one of the first things I was assigned um, when I made lieutenant. And I replaced the previous accreditation manager. And so we had gone into the MPAC certification and accreditation process a couple of different times. Here they are. Good morning. And uh, the at the time when I was the accreditation manager, the, the process for going through certification and accreditation was very, very dependent on facilities. Um, in particular, the uh, Property and evidence controls and after we had done it a couple times one of the things we realized was that our current facility which you know we talk about to be completely forthright complain about all the time it wasn't going to make the grade we weren't going to be under the under the requirements at the time we just weren't going to be able to do it and some of it came down to just lack of space so in the intervening probably 12 years since the last time we actively explored certification and accreditation two things happened one was we converted a lot of unused space in the building in what used to be the pistol range into secure storage in particular a large locked storage area um, with drying racks for a crime scene so it's overflow evidence control well three things happened so that was the first one the second one was we changed our inventory control from essentially you know log books to barcodes and scanners, and so we got a lot more a lot more control and detail into what was stored where and for how long and The third thing that happened was that MPAC, the Massachusetts Police Accreditation Commission, they took a look at the standards that were tied strictly to the facility, and they decided that you know departments don't really control where they work so that probably wasn't something that was equitable so they they modified some of the facility related standards um they didn't lessen them they just made it easier to comply so after police reform was implemented based on some of the language in there we kind of knew that certification accreditation was something that was going to be strongly encouraged to start and then required at some point in the future so we decided that we would uh Get out in front of that and captain traversa is kind of taking the lead he's recruited sergeant gray to assist him with that and then last was last fall early this winter uh, i i met some gentlemen both former po- former police officers who also saw that this was going to be something that departments were going to be looking at doing but based on their experience they knew that it was also something departments frequently don't have the staff to address so they essentially created a consulting company to assist departments with getting through the certification accreditation process, and we've engaged with this company, and they came in this week to do a site visit as well as kind of a, a briefing on the process, and so we're, you know, we're well on our way to getting getting this process started. So, yeah.
0: So the uh, now I think it was what maybe two years ago, Chief, that you kind of re-established uh, our, our membership in MPAC um, and had a conversation with me uh, as the, uh, and, and assigned me as the accreditation manager. And, you know, I, at the time, didn't know anything about it, did a little research, um, you know, picked your brain a little bit. Officer Gainer had been involved, gave me a little bit of info. Um, Kind of sputtered a little bit, um, you know. The the daily uh, demands got in the way. <laughs> There's a lot going on, lot obviously. Going on. Um, but uh, you know, with with police reform and post um, and uh, the push, not only you know did I start to get some messages from M encouraging us to get going, but like you said, that contact that you made um, with with this uh, consultant group, um, it just all—all all these things kind of align together. That okay, we, we got to push for this. Now's the time. So, um, I am really hoping that uh, you know those items you mentioned will get us you know over the finish line for certification at, at the very least, and you know maybe down the road accreditation. I'm a I'm a little apprehensive because of the roadblocks that we've experienced in the past and. You know, obviously, we're putting some some time and money into it. I don't want to hit a snag that we can't um, navigate around. But I think, as you know, for the city, for the department, for our staff, citizens, I, this is a good thing. And um, the work that uh, you know you've done the heavy load with with policy work over the last year. I think you know carrying that forward um, that's a big part of it. The policies that we have in the department is just is such a huge part of. Of accreditation and uh, you know getting through that it's that that would be a huge leap for us and uh, you know I I hope to help
1: guide that we're gonna be in a we're gonna be in a much better place um, policy wise and accountability wise when we get through this process so
0: yep so hopefully in uh, you know another I don't know eight to twelve months yeah uh, this conversation is
1: it's an ambitious timeline, but I'm confident. I'm much more confident this time than I was when I first undertook uh, the role of the accreditation manager. It, there was just no way with the policies that we had in place at that time that we were we were going to come close. With the work that the command and the supervisors have done in the last several years, particularly with the shift over to Lexapol and the uh, automatic, not automatic, but the forced acknowledgement of receipt, we're going to be in a much better place. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh,
0: you know, I'm, I'm going to try to uh, dedicate a day a week to that, um, whether it ends up being, you know, a dedicated day or parts of days. Time, um, time block it,
1: it in your calendar.
0: It's, it's tough to come in the building and just focus on one thing. Though. Absolutely. We'll give, it a, we'll give it a go. All
1: right, let's change from that subject. So I, I was hustling to get in here and get on the air, but even I beat
3: Officer Derby. <laughs> chief i was on time to my pt appointment <laughs> got it got it that's why i showed up at your house early picked up the dog and then so you went missed the pt you missed it i was
1: telling these guys before you walked in about your gift
3: oh my gosh I, I i saw that this morning that is pretty cool it was pretty cool i've seen uh pictures of you know people have posted on social media of um, I think Deb's story from Lanesboro there that does all the photography. She's got one of the owl, the, the yep, yep. Uh, snowy owl there in Pittsfield, and I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's an actual puzzle. Yeah. And then to to receive one is even that's even cooler. So, so. I was
1: telling the captain lieutenant that I'm gonna appeal to you to allow us to display it in the station for sure. at least a little absolutely. while. Absolutely,
3: absolutely. Yeah. So
1: yeah, we'll figure we'll figure out a place that we can put that that uh, we can share it share it with the public. Perfect. <laughs> Got to be a blue wall somewhere. It, it you know. So this is, <laughs> we've got a, we've got some unbelievable artwork uh, that we've collected over the years. I think my favorite are the two photos of the department that were taken for us by um, local photographer Ogden Julie before the Fourth of July parade a few years ago, and. Historically, when we take, the 4th of Ju- we take the photo on the 4th of July, we either do it on the steps of City Hall or on the steps of the courthouse. But with construction over the last several years, few years, in both of those locations, we couldn't do the photos there. So when he offered to do the photo, he also made a request. He wanted to do it um, basically in our staging area, right, right there on North Street, in the first block of North Street. But he wanted to do it from an elevated position. So I'm pretty sure we use the scissor lift that PCTV normally uses to put the high angle camera at the reviewing stand. And so we put him up on that and he took the picture. And it's just a great picture. But he produced two prints for us, one in color and one in black and white. And so they, I had nothing to do with this. We got some creative people in the department. So when you come up the stairs to the second floor, one is hanging on the wall outside the chief's office, looking towards the public coming in. And the other one sits directly behind it on the inner wall, kind of like a mirror image of it. So it, they're, they're both essentially in the same location on opposite sides of the same wall. It's a pretty cool effect. But, so we get these, this cool artwork that people work on for us or donate to us. And then we have to figure out where to display it. And one of the things we struggle with is we frequently don't want to put it in the lobby Because we can't get it high enough that if something happens in the lobby, it's not necessarily gonna be damaged. So um, we really should put like a Display case or something above the little table where all the forms are so we could take advantage of that wall We need to call Tommy Harrington back he could build (laughs) us one To put in a call to Kristen and see if she can lend us Tommy from some of the honey-do list stuff (laughs) All right, Darren Chief, what's going on in the uh, you know what so I've seen you in passing, and we we've, we've talked around the issue. we haven't <laughs> spoken about the issue, so I'm just going to ask,, right, um, you made a decision, and I support your decision 100 percent, but you made a decision to take a break and step back from social media
3: I did um, it was not uh, it was not an easy one. Um, But, you know, as we spoke probably now, I don't know, five years ago, maybe five, six years ago, when I started uh, diving into the uh, social media with policing and and, uh, kind of helping be more transparent, and, you know, I did that with the premise that, you know, it was able to promote um, all the good that police are doing uh, within their communities. It was allowing us to connect with other agencies to see what we're doing um i never expected it to i I guess i mean i thought about it but i never expected it to blow up to the point that it that it had gotten um and you know the whole reason for it was just to allow others to see that you know what is being displayed in the media is not everything that is you know that it's not all of what is out there um, all the negative and part of my decision was just I it was causing too much stress um, it was the catalyst uh, that just needed to um, have a sheet thrown over it for a little while and and you know I, I just so we 've talked about this in the past kind of you know in
1: not in one episode or, or one Conversation at the same time that you made that decision and sort of rewind a little bit when you first made the decision that you were going to kind of get out there and start talking about some of the stuff that you were doing in your capacity as a safety officer and some of the stuff you were doing in the community and the schools, you were doing it on your personal account correct and uh there was there was some little stops and starts there, and you know we had I had some security concerns about some of the stuff um you know you were tagged in or your family. A lot of it had to do with stuff that was going on with uh, Law Enforcement Torch Run and Special Olympics Massachusetts. And so we had a conversation. I was like, look, I support you in doing this. It was a bold move, but we had to create a a profile page for you. We had to get you off of your personal account. Uh, And so over the the intervening, it's probably been over five years now, um, you you maintain that page. You're one of the administrators for some of the department pages. You created an Instagram page uh lots of connections uh not just you know locally but like we we traveled down to new york city for training and as a result of some of your instagram connections we actually got a special tour of uh <laughs> mm-hmm. nypd one of nypd's community centers uh and our off- you were with us too right and uh in our off-duty time right so you know i i'm getting ready to head back down to gainesville we connected with Officer Bobby White, the basketball cop, through the work you were doing. But at the same time you were doing all this, you were maintaining your day job, right, being a cop. Plus you were in school. You just had a lot going on.
3: Yeah, you know, I just, I think I was, uh, um, I've always been one to just kind of have like 100 things on my plate. And and I can say that I think I was consistent with being successful with those Um, and then a a little change in my life and um, uh, trying to figure out why I was able to do all that at once and then not dealing with the stress and you know this is what police are dealing with nowadays with uh, you know depression and whatnot and I got diagnosed with ADHD um, and thankfully found a great medication for that and now I can't do 10 things at once <laughs> so and that's the way it's always been my entire life and now it's just like okay um i can't do this this and this and you know be i'll uh, still be a person at home and just talking with the wife and, and i think with covid um that was a huge uh, push for me to kind of take a second look at not just my mental health but um taking care of myself um, all around and i just felt as though you know i think it it served its purpose um you know not to say that it won't come back but to me it served its purpose um i think we have an amazing relationship with the community at the police as a whole um obviously every entity and community organization has work to do on you know both sides but I think we were able to make that connection um and i see parents all day long that you know hey where's your you know your facebook page the kids have said they haven't seen it and you know you explain it to them and then they kind of understand it okay you know what he's human right you know it's not <clears throat> and and
1: so that i mean first of all you know thanks thanks for your openness and honesty and thanks for sharing but that's kind of the whole point right That that that's actually the language from the final report of the president's task force on 21st century policing is humanizing law enforcement, right? It's humanizing the badge, and so one of the so you made the decision to do it kind of abruptly, yeah, and without announcement,
3: yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it was last Saturday. I can tell you, it was it was a Saturday, and I just I messaged heather i got into work in the morning picked up the dog and left your driveway and and uh went down the street and I'm like you know what like i'm done today's the day <laughs> Today. so i just messaged her and said hey listen i'm, I'm cutting the connection and she's like you're what and i told her and she's like okay and 10 so, minutes later i did it so the only reason i bring that up is so you made that
1: decision and, and because of you know the we'll, we'll call it the custody exchange with winston um my wife actually knew before I did, and so she's like, "Yeah, you know, Darren's gonna step back. He just wanted to let you know, blah blah blah." And I'm like, "You know, that's fine, whatever." And then it couldn't have been, um, it, it couldn't have been thirty six hours. We got a we got a random email to the generic department email address, right? Somebody just found the generic email address, which goes to a small group of uh, commanders and administrators. And basically the email was from from a woman not local and she's like I've been following officer Darren Derby for years and he's he's Facebook silent is he okay like people le- legitimately missed your presence and were really really worried about you
3: now I get a lot of emails and you know and I'm uh, extremely appreciative of that and you know I did my best to be um, there most of the time answer people's questions and i think that's what makes your social media platforms work is if it's a two-way street you're just not posting and not answering people but you know we've received you know the department itself um you know not just my not just me but other community members have received some amazing love from around the country Um, and i just and around the world yes 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 no i still have packages coming in from all places so
1: we need a separate mail processing facility just for the packages you get for the residents that you spend time with it's pretty cool
3: it is it is uh you know again it's it's an honor to be able to use the platform to be able to show other communities that you know we can police like this um there's likely more than one officer in every department that can do that um they just don't know it all right we're at
1: uh, 9.30, so let's take a break for station identification, another check of the weather, and some PSAs, and then we'll come back and we'll continue this conversation. Berkshire
0: weather. Here is
2: your WTBR forecast from com for Friday, February 18th. Today, partly sunny and windy with a high of 47. Tonight, mostly clear with a low of 13. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, a high of 29 with afternoon snow showers. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more weather forecasts and education, go to berkshireweather.com. I'm Jacob Klein for WTBR. and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone! Have you been thinking about volunteering in your community? We're glad to hear it. Berkshire United Way and nonprofit Center of the Berkshires are teaming up to present a virtual volunteer fair on Friday, November 12th, from noon to 3 p.m. You're invited to find out more about how to get involved, make new friends, find purpose, and give back. Visit npcberkshires.org to register today. It's free and safe. That's npcberkshires.org.
3: Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union. Proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at graylock.org. And from BeFair, BeFair is one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people we support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Better weather is around the corner. Expect an increase in the number of pedestrians on walkways, cyclists sharing our roads, and kids playing outside. It is imperative we all pay better attention while driving, walking, running, and cycling. So we need to do our part in keeping everyone safe by adhering to the rules of the road. Wear bright clothing if you are walking or running. If you are driving, please slow down and don't drive while distracted. Pay attention. Let's keep each other safe. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM.
1: Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio. Simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television and available on all of your popular podcast platforms. My name is Mike Wynn. I'm the Chief of Police here in the city of Pittsfield, I'm joined in studio this morning by Captain Gary Traversa, Lieutenant Matthew Hill. And we're also joined this morning by Safety Officer Darren Derby and his partner comfort dog officer Winston.
3: No, I'm here with Winston. <laughs> right, Winston's first. So,
1: <laughs> come on, Winston. Yeah, there you are. We're, come on, we can't get him
3: on the camera. No, he's indifferent. As as Lieutenant calls him the indifferent dog. So. He's
0: hardly there. He is. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know whose is. decision it is, but the fact that you guys leave his
3: hair—that—that's awesome. I mean, it's, it's got a, you know, it needs to look like it's handler and, you know. I, I, don't, um, I don't have any influence
1: with the appearance of the dog. I have deli- You've had requests. I've delivered specific instructions several times that the next time he goes in for grooming, I want him back with a faux hawk, but they won't do it. <laughs> All right, so th- this was not a planned conversation. Excuse me. <clears throat> but I'm glad we're here. Because it, it points us to an important issue that we, we've talked about in the past. And you know, I'm not gonna say we dance around it, but one of the other things that was included in the final report of the President's Task Force on 21st Century Policing was the need as an industry across the board in law enforcement to dedicate more time and more resources to officer health and officer wellness. and. If you're somebody who you know you're critical of law enforcement or you've been following some of the, the national issues for the last several years, I mean, this stuff really goes back as a national conversation to 2014, but it, it predates that. I mean, I, I, we were talking about this when I started at the Resource Center in 1993. Um, like, why? Why do we care? We pay them, they, they make good money, they have good benefits, they retire with a pension. Why do we care? And the reality is that police officers, and all public safety people, right? I'm doing some academic work and, and reading about issues with firefighters and, and EMS. When public safety personnel are not well, when, when they're not physically well, emotionally well, or cognitively well, it, imp- it has the potential to impair their judgment. And if an uh, officer is impacted and their judgment is impaired, that's when we see tragic outcomes. So, if we're really, really serious about preventing tragic outcomes, we have to be equally serious about keeping officers and public safety personnel healthy. And, well, for most of my career anyway, we have focused on physical health, right? You know, we've spent years and years of study and research, and I don't know, you know, how many dollars reaching conclusions about what we should carry on our duty belt. Moving stuff off of the duty belt onto the vest to prevent lower back injuries. We crash-proof the cruisers. We invest in more equipment because we want to keep officers physically well. You know, we we experiment with on-duty workout time. But an officer who is injured, minor injury, nursing an injury, or not necessarily in the best of health, a little overweight, engaging in you know tobacco use or whatever they they may not that may be a problem for them but it's probably not going to be a problem for anybody other than them except maybe their partner but an officer who is dealing with mental health issues or cognitive and emotional challenges that officer needs to be in a position where they're being taken care of so they don't make bad decisions and only by acknowledging that can we start to make progress on it in my process as a post commissioner we're spending a lot of time right now in some of our working group meetings uh, discussing how often police officers should be uh subjected to a, a a mental health check-in right how many times over the course of an officer's career should they have to sit down with somebody and at least if not fully debrief at least defuse um you know, I had a conversation the other day with our co-responders because while well, that program exists for them to provide services in the community, and we talked about this when they were on the show, it's not uncommon for us to see our officers sitting with them talking about a tough call they just came off of. And that, that was not the case. And when I came on the job 27 years ago, the attitude was rub some dirt on it and move on. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't healthy. Right, it, it just—it's not a good way to do things. Uh, one of the things that I've talked about in some of our supervisory roundtables is encouraging our sergeants when you know in the moment when they're clearing a difficult call, if the patient's in the ambulance, don't delay it. Right, grab the team that's on that call and defuse them before you let them go on to the next call, because the stuff is cumulative. Uh, you know, there's a an author. You know, I, actually, I've had the good fortune to meet him on a couple occasions. Law enforcement officers, military personnel will be familiar with him. He's been a little controversial in the last couple of years because people disagree with some of his theories, but they've they're been borne out empirically. His name is uh, Colonel David Grossman. He was an instructor at West Point, and he spends a lot of time on, you know, psychological preparedness and, and the effects of critical incidents on first responders. And one of the things that he says uh, in several of his books that he said to me when I had the good fortune to train with him, and I think about it all the time, is that um, pain, pain shared, I'm gonna misquote this. Pain, share, pain divided is shared and joy, pain shared is divided and joy shared is multiplied. And essentially what it means is that when you've got a team that are engaged in difficult actions, when you talk about it amongst the team and let them talk about how it impacted them, the likelihood that something is gonna come up and bubble to the surface down the road is greatly, greatly diminished. And the example they use is when we had um, soldiers returning from overseas in World War II, they would get on a ship and they would sail back across the Atlantic and they had weeks sometimes to talk about their experiences and so the the incidents and rates of the time they would call it, you know, combat stress, but now we would refer to it as post-traumatic stress, were much much lower as compared to soldiers returning from Vietnam who were in Saigon, they were on a plane 12 hours later they were back stateside and they were out of the army they didn't have a chance to talk about it and and share that share that misery and the rates went way way up so we're we're seeing that in public safety law enforcement now that we have to encourage our people to deal with things in the moment not push it off until you know god forbid something bad happens so it's it's difficult but we have to change it It, we, we have to make it okay to talk about these things right Um, I've spent some time in the last couple of years, both stuff that I was exposed to on the job and maybe some stuff that I brought to the job with me, you know, there was stuff that I hadn't thought about in years that in the work that I do with my counselor came to the surface. I was like, holy crap, where is that been hiding? And, you know, I don't, I don't know what I haven't uncovered yet. Right. But we had some conversations about some stuff that happened to me when I was a rookie. And I'm like, damn, you know, how could I not have addressed that at the time? Um, And so, you know, when we we onboard new police officers now, one of the things I've been doing for the last several years is we issue them emotional survival for law enforcement by Dr. Kevin Gilmartin. Great book. And uh, I give it to them. I tell them to read it. And when they're done with it, to hand it to their parents or their spouse or their significant other and have them read it because you need to have someone in your corner watching you to tell you when your behavior changes, because it changes, right? Uh, in hindsight, and think about stuff, um, when I was on my fellowship in Quantico, away from frontline operations, and some of the stuff that I was able to start doing again, just because I wasn't bouncing call to call to call to call, and then I came back and took over a command of a shift and stopped doing those things again. Uh, You know, the the op tempo changes your behavior and you have to be cautious of it Uh, We have in the department we've had for several years now uh, It's probably one of the first handful of things I did when I took over command and it's it's definitely one of the things I'm the most proud of but we have a protocol in place for what we call crisis leave and so Shortly after I took over command of the department. We put a new policy in place about high-level uh, critical incidents, you know, it, the policy was around violent incidents, right? Fights, officer-involved shootings, and stuff like that, and the protocols that we were going to use to get somebody back to work, and those po- those protocols are based on best practices and national models, and so we put them in place. And fortunately, the first time I had to visit those protocols had nothing to do with a, a crime of violence or an act of violence. We had an officer who was in crisis for something. Outside of the job and I had to make a call in the moment I was like, you know what go grab the protocols that we put in place for that thing and use them to help us get this officer well, and so we expanded the protocol from just You know high-level use of force incidents to other critical incidents and it essentially allows us to give our personnel a little bit of breathing space, right? A little bit of space when they don't have to worry about if they're gonna miss the overtime shift or they're gonna be you know, reprimanded by a sergeant because they weren't where they were supposed to be. It just gives us time to put tools in place to get them the assistance they need. And I had been in the chief's office for almost 10 years uh, when I realized that 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 protocol, that set of protocols applied to everybody in the department except me. There wasn't any way for anybody in the PD to look at me and say, you know, time out, have a seat on the bench. And so when I negotiated my, my contract after I was appointed full time, I copied the language into my contract. Like I made it part of the commander comes to me and says, hey, chief, you know, maybe time to tap out that I can call personnel and just say I'm taking, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a breather. The captain's in charge and that's important you need to know when you need to take time to recover Um, so this is this is a significant change from the way we did things 20 years ago 25 years ago Um, you know there's there are unhealthy coping mechanisms we need to replace them with healthy coping mechanisms and it's a lot of work
3: yeah and it's going to take years and it has taken years to kind of take that stigma away you know we, we've we seen it in the news we've watched it um you know everything from you know addiction to gender identity to whatever it is you know everything has a stigma to it um and i think it's just extremely important to um you know make sure that our first responders and those that are actually you know enduring this every single day just to make sure that they have a some sort of out you know um, you know, and in that book, I always remember um, from reading that book, which I read way too late, um, was talking about all the things that I used to do. The yeah, I used to. The I used to. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I used to do this and I am, have been for some time now just working on, you know, um, getting that back. So now I, you know, I love mowing lawns. Well, now I started my own lawn business. But, you know and that's just for me that's right. it's not anything other than it forces me now that I have lawns to do and some of them are big that I have to go and do this so it's not like I'm volunteering hey I'm gonna go out and for a walk well no it's forcing me to go out sit on the lawnmower for two hours and think about nothing no comes so so I, I don't think I've shared this on the
1: show I've I shared it with the Chiefs Association a little bit and um it's become kind of a, a running joke in, in my personal experience. So one of the thing I talked about this, uh, you know one of the things that I did to kind of carve a little space out for myself uh, when, I started, when I started dating my wife, is we scheduled, we scheduled regularly scheduled date nights. And general rule of thumb on the date nights is with the exception of a, a serious, serious emergency, no phones. And so, on on our date nights, um, we don't. Other than for like you know the one time late in the evening when I might put a post up about what we did or where we went, we don't look at our phones. And for me, that includes my work phone. I just I generally leave it in the pocket. If if something critical pops off, you know I'll I'll get the serious incident notification and I'll know. But I'm not checking emails. I'm not you know just answering the phone randomly. And it hasn't been an issue. It's almost never been an issue. Um, But on the day, so we're we're in 2022 now, so this would have been um, early 2021. Uh, On the day that I was notified that I was gonna be appointed to the Post Commission, uh, it happened to correspond to a date night. And so I didn't have my work phone. And unbeknownst to me, uh, several people on behalf of the governor's office were trying to reach me. And ironically, both of the people who were trying to reach me also had their their friends, so they have my personal cell phone number. But it didn't occur to them that because I wasn't answering the work phone that I might have my personal phone. So they didn't try that. And so they were trying to contact me literally for hours. Um, And I'm just not receiving it, right, because it's date night, and that's the rule. And so eventually what they did, one of my friends called a a mutual acquaintance who happens to be my wife's boss. And my wife's boss called my wife's phone (laughs) and said, you need to tell Mike he needs to go find his phone. The governor's trying to reach him. And I i laughed i thought it was a joke (laughs) this this is bs so ultimately you know i go and i check my phone and there's a bunch of voicemails and a bunch of text messages and i call one of these guys back i'm like what are you doing he's like why are you out of communication like i'm not out of communication i was literally sitting in the living room with my other phone uh and you know we had gone to chiefs conferences and stuff together and he's like i just I, i didn't i didn't think to call that number um but yeah, I, because of the whole, like, carving space out for myself, I actually ended up taking the call from the governor at, like, 11 o'clock at night instead of at 7 o'clock in the, in the evening. Uh, little, little known story about the you know, famous post-commission appointment. When I shared that story with the Chiefs Association, they thought it was hilarious. So you have, to, you have to know. You have to make time for yourself. All right. We've been hammering this topic on this side of the glass. What do you guys have to add to conversation? Yeah, you've been office, quiet, Officer Health and Wellness. I know am training. <laughs> You're what? <So, my. laughs> We're training. No, I,
0: you know, that's a good conversation. I just, you know, my, my, I guess some thoughts are rolling through my head. Our viewers and listeners maybe don't realize, and you know, Chief, you mentioned that the, the cumulative stress on yeah. police officers, public safety, what have you, um, it, uh, it, it you don't always know. That's the problem. You rarely know. Yeah, and it, you know it's. I think that uh, you know, police officers, if they haven't already, um, at some point in their careers, they're gonna hit some bumps in the road, and um, you know all the the work that's being done around uh, wellness and and health. it's really important for our profession and it's important to you know that it's uh ingrained deeper because the it's not getting any easier i mean we're a profession that we respond to everybody's for the most part we respond to everybody else's worst days
1: the the human mind and the human psyche is an amazing thing. And the more work I do on this, the more work I do, you know, with a therapist on myself and the more work I do with my studies on this, the more amazed I am at the protective mechanisms that exist. And so I kind of alluded to this earlier. I I was out to dinner last year or the year before, and uh, the woman who, who was serving us was somebody that I knew from my, my high school years. Hadn't seen her in a long time. And as she was standing at the table, just engaged in conversation, she mentioned something from 1989, and it triggered a memory that, in hindsight, now you know, when working on it, I had literally repressed. Like it wasn't like I just hadn't thought about it; I forgot it happened to me. And so she, she, you know, she said something. It triggered that memory, and for the next couple of days, that memory kept triggering other memories and so one of the things that as i was working through that came back was i was a rookie patrol officer on the midnight shift and i I won't get into the details of it now but you know i got frustrated about something that we were dealing with and it was christmas morning and i was driving way too fast for the road conditions and i spun my cruiser out and i probably should have died and until this woman told me you know mentioned the story to me and then i was sharing that with my therapist i had forgotten that that episode happened right so it it was 1997 1998 and now it's you know 23 years later and the memory comes flooding back it was not an insignificant incident in my career i just buried it right and how May, you know, I've been off the road for 14 years. How many episodes like that do our people accumulate over the course of 25, 30, 35 years in the field? Right? It's crazy. And if you don't deal with them when they happen, you'll deal with them. You'll deal with them at some point. They're not going away. They're in there. They're coming back. Um, and if they come back at the wrong time, stand by. It's a bad ride. Um, It is possible in the Commonwealth to retire a public safety officer um, for a mental health disability. It it is possible. It's incredibly difficult. I've I've done it. I've processed the paperwork. In no case that I've done it was it a single incident. Not once was it, we sent them to this, this happened, they responded this way, we got to get them off the job. In every case it was, this happened 20 years ago. This happened 18 years ago. This happened 15 years ago. This happened 11 years ago. This happened six years ago. This happened yesterday. Bang. It's, it's weird. Um, you know. When, so for police officers, one of the, the signals, I've learned this uh, through experience and study, when officers start making decisions, when they make conscious decisions, that they're deliberately gonna be less safe When they decide they're not going to wear their vest when they decide they're not going to carry some of their issue equipment it's too late by the time they reach that point it's too late um you know so you got to have those conversations and those uh discussions as these things are happening i'm very excited that um we're in the process the training's been done we got to work through some of the protocols but we're bringing back the peer support team right in in some of the academic work i've been doing in the last year peer support teams are probably the most versatile and vital resource that you can put into a public safety agency because if a police officer a firefighter a medic can talk to somebody that has shared experiences that they know and trust they're much more likely to take the suggestion to do something formal Uh, if they if the first step they have to take is go talk to a stranger or call the eap they'll fight it but if you can get them in the room with somebody that has been through some similar things, uh, the outcomes are much, much better. So kind of excited that we've got a half dozen people willing to step up and start providing that service.
0: So in, uh, in our profession, as you, you both know, you all know uh, sometimes change is a little tough and uh, you know, get uh, not always the most positive responses when, there's something new or different. Um, we've talked uh I think we've mentioned it on the, the show chief that we're gonna be uh rolling out a an officer wellness app soon and I've mentioned it to a few people and it's nothing but positive. So it's you know did, this did, is something that is needed and wanted.
1: Did you get my email on that?
0: I gotta catch up from yesterday. Okay. I had a training day.
1: So the um Oh, that's right! I forgot you to train today. So the cool thing about the wellness app and the company that we're working with is going to provide the wellness app. It's for all of our personnel, sworn and non-sworn, but it's also for all of our families, because that's something we don't we don't think of often enough. Um, I, I had to roll out on a call out. Uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a SWAT call out, but I had to roll out on a call out a couple of weeks ago, and uh, first thing in the morning, rolling out on this thing, and I've been on scene for. 45 minutes and i fire off a text back home you know everything here is stable and fine in the command post and the like you can't express emotion through emoji but the palpable sense of relief that you know when your your spouse or your partner responds to a, a i'm okay message like that it's just it's insane if i have to roll out on a like in progress incident when i call you can hear it you can hear it in their voice um you know work to some extent trained to deal with this stuff the the people at home are not right we have to we have to think about that too because secondary trauma and secondary stress is equally as damaging as primary trauma so right, right we're nearly out of time this is a conversation we're just going to have to keep having um it's important we have to take care of our first responders we have to take care of ourselves i'm you know glad that you made your pt appointment but i'm I'm also glad that you're you know taking you're taking care of the space between your ears too yep so yeah we we need to do more work on that all right (laughs) that's not kind captain (laughs) quick round robin plans for the weekend gentlemen i'm off doing nothing you like that lieutenant
3: leave the city leave the city captain
0: I'm actually uh, I'm helping a family member clean out a garage, so that'll be fun.
3: Yeah, it's going to be really cold tomorrow.
1: <laughs> I, uh, I am going to train on Saturday and travel on Sunday. I'm wheels up back down to Gainesville to do a little work with their PD for a day, so I get a, a little warm weather trip out of this, and uh, we'll be back next week, which means I have to delay the captain's meeting until the middle of next week, so i go in and change the calendar invite for that.
0: Bring some uh, sunshine back with you.
1: I will do my best to bring some sunshine back. All right, so you've been listening to On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television, and available on all of your popular podcast platforms. We thank you for joining us this morning. In the 30 seconds that we have left, just, uh, you know, this is important stuff. We're going to keep having these conversations. If you'd like to engage with us on it, let us know and until next week when we'll be back with another new episode be safe be healthy but most importantly be kind we're ten eight